comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great hall of justice are the most powerful forces of good ever assembled. I am Supergirl. I am the Flash. My name is Oliver Queen. I had to become the Green Arrow. Dedicated to truth. Justice and peace for all mankind. Hey everybody, welcome to DC TV Podcast, episode 104. And uh, no, we're no, we're not at com no, we're not at Comic Con. Kind of uh, everybody else is, but not us. Daryl Taylor might be at Comic Con. We don't know where he is. He's in parts unknown right now. He's either at Comic Con or uh, drowning his sorrows that he's not at Comic Con in a big pan of meatballs and spaghetti. So. I just texted it to him, so we'll see. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows what may happen? But joining me tonight to talk about uh, the last three episodes of Preacher and a whole bunch of DC news we have to go through as well. Uh, dressed in his Dalmatian suit, ready to go, Rich the Chub Chub Sheldon. I was looking for God, not dog. <laughs> That's all I could think of during that scene. <laughs> The woman who taught Tulip how to how to uh, give a good throw punch, Miss Jerry, the throw punch, Miss Sister Throw Punch, Atkinson, the third. That Man- is me, manager of dicks. <laughs> yes, that's me, bitches. I run this dicks. <laughs> Our show is now sponsored by Dick Sporting Goods. So thanks for that. Because <laughs> she knows a lot of people at dicks. But, Come in unhappy dicks. with dicks. I know a lot of people mm-hmm. who are dicks. Anyway, <laughs> so we have a lot of news as well to cover. And uh, um, Welcome com- to Dick Talk with Jerry Joe Atkins. Dicks. Okay, get it all out there. Get it all out there. Get out of your systems. Okay. Um, okay, we done? Everybody done now? Okay, good. Wait, one more. Dick. Okay, No, that's, that's, yeah, I would hope so. Um, we got some really weird news right now coming off a uh, Comic Con before the uh, the big press conferences or whatever. Warner Brothers is reportedly planning on Affleck to exit from the DC. What? Um, the report they reported on IGN today that um, you know because uh, Matt Reeves is looking for a, a new you know he's writing a whole new script right. He's starting from scratch and not using Affleck script or whatever that he worked on with Jeff Johns. And um, they're looking at maybe doing, he's, Matt Reeves is looking at maybe doing a trilogy, but because Affleck is, you know, in his 40s or whatever, uh, you know, trying to work his way out. Um, Well, what's this going to do to their timeline of the DCEU? Well, some people think that it might be someone else taking over as Batman, like maybe Dick Grayson. Now, I'm on board. Matt Reeves is on board to direct the next standalone Batman movie. He confirmed that Affleck will remain in the role for his movie, but he also expressed interest in making a trilogy of Batman films, and we're not sure if Affleck is down for making three Batman movies after making, you know, Batman v Superman, Justice League, and then Batman. That'll be his third, you know, uh, the first of these Reeves movies will be his third appearance, which I think is, like, more than... um, that's the most appearances one actor will have made over three movies with, uh, other than Bale. I mean, Bale was in three, and then right. Affleck will be in three. So, but um, it's, I think it's, what's interesting to me is that Matt Reeves wants to do a more he says quote a mo- emotional story, and he wants to have a noir driven detective version of Batman, which is cool. We haven't seen that in the movies before. Um, but after all the grousing and, and griping about Ben as Ben as Batman, I mean, remember the whole Batfleck thing. I mean, what do you think about this? You're cool. I mean, uh, Rich, you said you're cool with it if it's like, you know, Dick Grayson that takes over and not maybe just not another actor? Or... Well, I mean, if it's another actor taking over, it's not like we haven't experienced this before. I mean, although it was going from from um, 
Burton to Schumacher, but but as well. So it was a different, it was a whole tonal shift as well. But still, it was in the same canon. Um, so I I could get behind it if it's cast well, that's for sure. But one of the things I loved prior to the New Fifty Two in the books was the run of Batman and Robin where Grayson took over as Batman and then of course Damien was Robin. Now I don't care if they incorporate that or not, but I really liked Dick Grayson as Batman. He I, he was more of the detective Batman, you know, and it was and of course a lot of interesting things in that book was the the back and forth between him and Damien, but still I really dug him taking off as Batman for a while, so they killed that with the new 52. So I'd be all all on board if it's done right as far as uh, Dick Grayson taking over, but as far as another Batman or another Bruce Wayne, eh, sure. I mean, if, as long as it's done right, I don't care. What do you think, Jerry? No, same thing. Like, everybody was all up in arms, like, oh, Ben Affleck's going to mess this up, and he's not a good enough actor, and Ben Affleck has got a freaking Oscar nod, for crap's sake. Come on. Ben Affleck can act when he feels like it, okay? When he's not banging the, the nanny or whatever he does in his spare time, he can do a good job. <laughs> and I'm fine if they recast it and do a good job. Honestly, I kind of feel cheated that... With with the Nolan Batman, they kind of teased that Joseph Gordon that Joseph Gordon Levitt yes. might have, you know, because <laughs> if they could still pull off that casting and him, that would be great. Be great. That oh, would be great. I would be seriously happy. I mean, I'll, I'll wait and I'll take a wait and attitude to towards whatever they do because I'm I'm not so young and naive that I think every choice is the wrong choice just because it's not the movie I've made in my head for 15 years like I've done with every Spider-Man until this recent one. Oh yeah, I but, will say this. <laughs> that is that your capsule review for Spider-Man: Homecoming right there? <laughs> it was it was it was my Spider-Man movie finally, and yes, they updated it. It wouldn't have been my Spider-Man 15 years ago, but after the all of the the misfires that I've seen and the half miss the half. You know, successes. I really love this last one. I was really ready to receive it, and it was beautiful. So, yep, yeah. So I'm I'm hoping for the best for whoever they choose as Batman. I think that Grayson that'd be an interesting way. They've never done that in the movies before. Why not? Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'm all for the idea yeah. of the the um the the uh, the sidekick who takes over the mantle of the hero. I mean, when I was growing up in the 80s, it was Wally West taking over for Barry Allen, who died in Crisis on Infinite Earths, and that was like such a cool storyline of him trying to live up to the legend of Barry, and him trying to be his own man, and, you know, but also trying to be the Flash and live up to that standard. It's very cool, so I would love to see that happen. Or if they did it in an interesting story way, you know. The only thing thing that I don't... I mean, it's probably going to be fine, but I really would like, I hope maybe they do like a graphic novel adaptation or something of this Johns and Affleck script, because I'm really interested to see where Jeff Johns was going with it, because I'm a Jeff Johns fan, and I was really excited that it was him and Affleck working on that script, so I'm just, I'm curious. Cool. Uh, We found out this week at Comic-Con that the Shazam movie there has been split into two movies now. Um, there's going to be a Shazam movie that's going to be directed by David F. Sandberg, who directed that new Annabelle creation movie that just came out. Uh, uh-huh. the, horror, the horror movie, you know, uh, it's like a prequel to Annabelle. Uh, he's going to be directing Shazam, and then I guess uh, Dwayne Johnson is going to get his own Black Adam movie. But he, but he will not be in the Shazam movie. I'm so confused by I'm kind of confused by all that. But. You think they're? Hmm. I don't think they're that smart is. enough to seed him off to like a Superman movie or whatever. I don't I don't see them doing that. You know, they have enough going on over there with the apocalypse stuff. You know. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Being it's it'll be cool. Who knows? I'm looking forward to I'm I've been looking forward to the whole Shazam thing. So. Yeah. I mean, if you made it like a Spielbergian type movie, I think uh, that would it, it could really work, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I guess we'll have to see. Yeah. 
Uh, we also got uh, announcements about Young, Ju- Young. I don't think about Young Justice at Comic Con. Um, season three is now in the works. Um, just, just as a side note, uh, Young Justice and, and Justice League both got pulled from Netflix uh, just recently, and the speculation there is that they're going to be going to that DC All Access uh, app that's coming. That makes soon. sense. And that this might be too. Also, um, they're saying season three is going to be is going to debut in 2018 exclusively on the new DC focused digital service. Uh, but they uh, they revealed new character designs for season three and a new character named Thirteen, uh, based on Tracy Thirteen from the comics. Hmm. So she's like the daughter of of, of Doctor Thirteen, Terrence Thirteen, who was like a Silver Age. Uh, like right. a, a cult investigator type, and uh, she's his daughter. So it's, it's a cool character, and I can see it fitting right in with Young Justice and the rest of them. Yeah. Um, Brandon Vietti and Greg Wiseman are producing. Greg Wiseman produced Star Wars Rebels and The Spectacular Spider-Man. Uh, Vietti produced uh, a couple of the DC animated uh, features, including Under the Red Hood, which was a really good one. But we saw new character designs for Static, who's joining the group. Hooray! And I, love, I love Static, dude. He's awesome. Uh, Kid Flash, yeah. Robin, Wonder Girl, Spoiler. No, I'm not spoiling anything. Spoiler is joining the group. Another great character I love. Uh, Blue Beetle, 13, uh, Arrowette, Arsenal, and Beast Boy. Arsenal. Uh, yeah, so the, uh, the, the uh, panel kicked off for the trailer. I looked at the first uh, two seasons, and then they... Uh, they said that you know, because of the success on Netflix, they were able to uh, jump to the revival and make it happen. So it looks awesome. Uh, definitely come out in 2018. Everything's under uh, underway for it to happen. Uh, we also learned this week that the uh, the, the the reshoots or the work that Joss Whedon may uh, be doing on Justice League might be more than we heard it was. Uh, we had heard before that he was only doing, you know, a few scenes to cover for, you know, the the Snyders who were dealing with, you know, a personal tragedy in their lives. But it turns out that um, might be a little bit more than that. He might uh, be, do, be doing some uh, character scenes and some key scenes uh, from the Justice in the Justice League movies. So uh, I don't know. I think that I think that can only be a good thing because he has the experience of doing a big superhero epic, you know? Right. And, uh, you know, I can't see that being a bad thing. I mean, can you? No. So, that's cool. Especially, I mean, with all the stuff the, the Snyders are going through or whatever. A Wonder Woman has now made more money than Deadpool? Yes. How about that? Yeah, did you see what Ryan Reynolds posted on Twitter or did, Instagram little, or whatever? That little, was cool. A little heart-shaped with his hands over his uh, over a Wonder Woman uh, statue uh, symbol. Yeah. Um, that, that, was, that was cool. Uh, a familiar face from the DCU is going to be joining the Flash in Season 4. Mr. Ralph Dibney, who is better known to comic book readers as the Elongated Man. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah, I'm wondering how that's going to... I mean, he's a cool character. I definitely could see him fitting in with the lighter tone of the Flash has sometimes, you know? Um, or see him as like a... Even a conduit to the police, because he's like a detective type, you know? Uh, speaking of the DC television shows, we also saw the new Black Canary costume this week. Looks pretty oh, good. Looks yeah. pretty damn good. Looks pretty good, my friends. Um, the, oh, the Phantasm, the, uh, the, the Mask of the Phantasm Blu-ray is coming out. Are you guys going to get that? Cause I'm going to, I'd like to, I'm going to review it if you don't. I probably am. Yeah. Well, can... see, I get, I usually get every animated, so I imagine I will. I'm just, the remaster, I guess. Um, Aaron Newworth, a friend of ours who is on the uh, Walking Dead TV podcast with us, is at Comic-Con this week, and he said he saw the first eight minutes of uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm remastered and said it looked mm-hmm. incredible. Uh, Bruce Timm and uh, um, uh, Paul Denny were there at the, uh, the panel talking oh, about it. And I guess they went through and just cleaned up everything in the print uh, for this Blu-ray release. So, super looking Bye. forward to it. Um, the... The first season of Titans, the Titans TV show, 
is going to be uh, 13 episodes. Uh, Warner Brothers TV is going to bring the Teen Titans to live action, and it is also going to be on DC's new digital service, along with oh, the wow. uh, along with the third season of Young Justice. So, um, the descriptions that we have for characters so clearly point to Nightwing, Starfire, Beast Boy, and Raven. Um, considering they're using Cyborg and Justice League, that makes sense. They would go. With Has any of this app launched yet, or is it still yet to launch? It is supposed to launch in 2018. And it's, I mean, I wonder. I wonder how much of a market share they think they're going to get initially, because that's something else to be producing a show solely to. If they have, like that. If, yeah, I mean, but if they have original content, plus they have like everything WB superhero related, like all the Flash, all the Arrow, you know, the movies, the animated, you know what I mean? If they offer a big enough package, I think people will go for it. Especially oh, yeah. if, it's, if, the mean, price, if the price is right, you know. I'm sure, but I'm just saying to already start being producing original content before they've even launched. That's that's pretty. Solving. I mean, yeah. I, it, I mean, it's it's interesting because the climate of entertainment has been changing, and so this is where it's heading. But they're kind of stepping. I mean, think I think in new territory because most other streaming apps are out there and they're launching right. the original content. Which I mean, you know, with them Netflix get. That pulled there and everything else back and forth. I mean, eventually, I think Netflix is going to be just Netflix original content, and it's just going towards that a la carte that we're yeah. that we've all been wanting out there. So, hey, I'm I'm all about it. I uh, I think it's interesting. They're going to be filming the Titans in Vancouver, very close to where they film all the CW shows. Mm. So, I guess the crossover is possible. I don't know. Well, it's their would. property, right? Yeah, I mean, they could they could make it happen if they wanted to. Is what I'm trying to say. So, yeah. So, um, supernatural stars are are, are talk, want to uh, have a crossover with Arrow before they uh, they close up shop. That would be um, awesome. Actually, you got that backwards. Oh, is it? Arrow wants to have I, a crossover. I was I was watching them on Conan. Oh, okay. Last night. And uh, the the supernatural guy said, "No, Amel is the one who said he would like oh, to do nice. a crossover with Arrow to Supernatural." And the the two boys from Supernatural didn't seem very keen on it. So, isn't it their last? Isn't it their last season or something? Or next season's their they, last season? They haven't announced. They haven't announced it being their last season, but it's going to be their thirteenth season. I think. Yeah, they've been trying to spin off here and there. They've been like training other hunters, and and I know yeah. that there was an episode that they did in Chicago where this kid was like a son of a gangster, and he had some kind of supernatural yeah. affiliation, and they tried to spin off from that. And the only reason I know that is because my one of my best friends, her um, husband, is like transportation captain for one of the production companies that works locally in Chicago and she's like yeah well watch tonight at tonight's episode they're trying to spin this off from Supernatural and I've seen other opportunities where they're trying to do that and I know that they're well, having this year up the two chicks that are they're getting right. on the show. For, it's called Fortune's Daughters or something like that they, yeah. there's going to be a, a, there's a backdoor pilot uh, this season yeah. on Supernatural yeah. for it and they want to do a spinoff show so right. uh, we reported on Nothing's On like about a month ago they mentioned it so right so but yeah, been... they, they basically said they didn't see how Arrow would fit in fighting, you know, vampires, demons, and all that stuff. And right, because he never has that kind of stuff on his show. It's so different. Right. Way. <laughs> oh, wait, no, it's not. <laughs> so, so that covers about all the DC TV and movie news that I could think of until after Comic-Con is over. I'm sure there'll be a lot more for our next episode. You guys ready to jump into some Preacher and some New Orleans? Absolutely. Sure, and that documentary we were talking about, Jim, is on Prime, by the way. Oh, cool. Oh, I have Prime. Okay. <laughs> oh, good. You should get Prime, because it's awesome if you don't have it. I do. Okay. Should we let the listeners know now that you just dropped that in the middle of our podcast, and everybody's going to be like, what documentary were you talking about? I figured Jim would just edit it. Ooh, well, now it's too late. So. Now, he's pretty, now, now i got all this other stuff to edit out now. Great job. Right. Well, Or we could just let them know it was Lost Soul, The Doom Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Monroe. Or Monroe, not Monroe. Why did I say Okay. I anyway, the Monroe Doctrine. The Monroe Doctrine, yes. House of Pain. 
So there's that. Everybody knows about the Monroe Doctrine. Yes, it's not at all. Well, I guess David Ayer is going to be. Oh, uh, coming breaking news from Comic Con right now. Suicide Squad uh, director David Ayer. Um, he has that new movie Bright coming out. I don't know if you guys saw the trailer of that with uh, Will Smith uh, as oh. the cop and the or, and the orcs and and dwarves and stuff. It's like the Alien Nation, but with fantasy. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's an interesting uh, trailer. You should see it. Um. Okay. But he has confirmed that he will be directing Gotham City Sirens, a nice. movie, movie featuring Harley Quinn, Catwoman, and Poison Ivy. Uh, yes. Quote, it's a story about three fantastic women who are trying to find their way in the world and realize they have more power together than they do individually. I have daughters, and I wanted to create something that might be able to get to help them along the world a little bit. So it's like Golden Girls if they were younger and had superhero jobs. Right. Okay. Um, we pre- they pressed him on whether Harley Quinn would change up her look and Ayer said let's put a pin in that maybe next Comic Con everybody evolves he said um, he would not answer whether uh, Jared Leto would be appearing as the Joker again but the rumors uh, are in the uh, panel are pointing to Black Mask being the main villain of the film mm. so uh, we're looking at 2020 for a release date of that with production in 2018 so that should be interesting. Breaking news. I thought news. Jared Leto was confirmed. No, I guess not. not. He hasn't okay. been confirmed to be in it. Still up in the air, it says. So, we will see. So, if any other news breaks as we're here uh, talking about Preacher, then I will be there to fix it. So. Oh, yeah, I guess <laughs> this is breaking news like two and a half days from now after you've edited it and put this up. So Right, well, I'll have to put it out before Sunday because that's when the new uh, Preacher is, right? Or Monday. So uh, yeah. it'll be up this weekend. But, yeah, yeah as we record this, it's uh, Friday night of Comic-Con, so there will be stuff happening as we record. So we'll just break in with it if it happens. So there you go. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right, let's roll back to Preacher. This episode three... Season 2, called Damsels, directed by Michael Slovis, written by Sarah Goodman. Um, they arrive in New Orleans. Um, there was a nice little uh, touch from the comic, uh, where they drive out, you are now leaving Texas. Yes. What is it, a good luck asshole or something like that? Uh, but, but, but I went back. Lost. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> I looked in the comic, and that's, that's from the comic. That's a callback to the comic uh, when they uh, left Texas in the comic as well. Um, They kind of they kind of searched their way through New Orleans looking for God in like all kinds of bars everywhere, asking where they could find God. Hardly any responses. Yeah, one time one play one lead takes them to a guy uh, they all refer to as God who is sitting there dressed as a human in a human sized Dalmatian suit with a chain around his neck (laughs) in in a dungeon. And, uh, you know, and, and Jesse's like, no, this isn't what I'm looking for. <laughs> but, 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 I, they ne- I, I but they have... never, they never show you who's under the mask. No. Okay. So, I mean, I don't know. Dog is God backwards. So. Right. But, uh, I mean, I had to, the scene happened and then I had to back it up because I wasn't sure what had just happened. I mean, right. what I, what I thought happened is what happened. But I was like, that didn't happen. But it happened. It really did. So um, after after they uh, uh, surge, after all the, the stuff with the Dalmatian guy, they kind of split into two groups. Um, uh, Jesse finds a singer in a jazz bar, and she gets kidnapped by these weird guys. And then Jesse saves her by using the voice. And then she reveals that someone had previously told her that God was missing, and that that man turned up dead. But it turns out that this is Featherstone. Another character from the comics, she works for Hair Star in the Grail. And this whole thing was just a charade they set up to test Jesse's power to see if he really did have the voice. Right. Um, something else that I didn't realize until I watched it the second time. When he uses the voice, it's from there, right there, that the Saint of Killers knows where he is. Yeah. Yep. And is able to find him later because he's even though he knows he can track him with the voice, he still uses it to save her. So. Yep. Um. Tulip and Cassidy uh, go to a house owned by Denny, 
friend of Cassidy's who just talks, but they just say, ah, oh, he's just talking French. Don't listen. I'm like, um, is he really his friend, or is it just some guy that he met and can't well, speak English? I, don't I get the there's a character in the comic who's similar but not the same as this character, and there's a huge twist on the character in the oh. comic, so I don't want to say anything. But oh, I just I forgot all about that. Okay, yeah, yeah. but uh, it's very similar to a character in the comic, but not the same. So it could be totally different. You know, there could be no twist okay. like there was in the book. Uh, but uh, I would think with uh, Jesse growing up on the border of Texas, Louisiana, that he would know a little bit of French. Oh, yeah. You know, if he grew up down in Louisiana, you'd think he'd know at least a little bit of Creole, a little bit of French, you know. And it, it just kind of struck me weird that he didn't understand it. Yeah. I grew up and went back and forth across the border of Texas and Louisiana all the time, and I don't know French, except for that Parlez-vous, Pays-allez, Say Soi, or whatever it is song. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. Did that one? Sure. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, Tulip is getting more and more nervous. Uh, she hides from a black limo that she says driving around. She tells Cassidy she's hiding from a man named Victor, whom she previously betrayed. And hoping to end the problem, Tulip allows herself to be captured and caught by Victor's men. Um, in the parallel storyline about Arseface, Eugene is in hell, <laughs> and we see we get to relive the memory of the day he became Arseface repeatedly, um, and it makes it even more tragic. Like in the comic, they killed themselves because they were Kurt Cobain fans, or right. tried to kill themselves because they were into Nirvana, right? And yep. you know, he killed himself so they wanted to do the same. This like really makes him even more tragic because he's trying to stop her from killing herself. Right. Right. And ends up, you know, doing the deed for her, kind of, and like getting at least getting blamed for it enough to be sent to hell and like have Hitler, you know, be his next door neighbor <laughs> in hell. Um, a fault. There's a fault in hell, and it pulls him out of the memory of the worst, you know, experience in his life and shows him kind of like the Speed Force, you know, the worst thing in your life over and over. Um, yep. Pulls him out of a memory and shows him to be in a prison type location. Uh, he learns that his cell's door is unlocked. He walks down into a long-ass corridor full of cells, and he calls out for help, and Eugene is shocked and terrified to see Adolf Hitler walk out of the cell next to him. Hey, Rumi! <laughs> oh, the next episode is so great with Hitler. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, this episode is pretty great, too. I give it a B plus. It was pretty awesome. I like the thing with uh, the Grail kind of uh, revealing themselves and Hair Stars group and all that. I love that storyline, and I'm glad it's coming up. Um, I I don't know, the whole thing with the Dalmatian it was really, like, it seemed very much out of the book, you know? Um, it's yeah. Just, this, this season seems to have so much more of the flavor of the weirdness of the book that I loved than the first season does, and I really dig that about it. So I give this one a B plus. It's, like, just on the cusp of an A for me. Yeah, um... Yeah, I, I agree with the B plus and and yeah, that's just it. I mean, I don't dismiss season one because I really once I figured out what they were doing, I really enjoyed that it's setting it up almost like a prequel to the comic, you know. So the fact that now this season, not only do we get them on the road, but we get all the tonal you know, environment, everything about it is, it's just like you said, it's like, it's like reading a book, one of the books. So yeah, I, I'm loving it. I'm going to give it an A just because I was really appreciating all of the, the crazy, like the absurdist and, and like oversaturated, like cinematography and elements in it. Like, like the, the kidnapping of, by the Capoeiro fighters, you know, like, in the, you know, like of the, of the singer and the, the long dark hallway that looked kind of dark world when they were in hell. And it was, it was like little movie vignettes, you know, it wasn't really like I was watching a television show. It was really like isolated instances of, of like real perfection for me. So I'm going to go a sweet. Okay. Episode four. It's called Victor. It was also directed by Michael Slovis and but written by Craig Rosenberg. And uh, unaware that Tulip is in danger at all, 
Uh, Jesse goes to Denise's house and talks to Cassidy about his search. Uh, Cassidy noticed a man on an infomercial that looked like the actor that played the fake god who spoke to Jesse's church. Um, They learned that the actor is Mark Harrelick, who is the real name of that actor, by the way. Oh, nice. Uh, (laughs) Crazy meta. That's crazy meta. I could see this show doing that. He's on, and they go to his talent manager. To, he provides them with a demo reel that they get that given to him by the people who hired uh, Harlech to play Imposter God. And in the tape, uh, Harlech is executed in order to get him up to heaven so he could play it. And then Jesse is wondering why New Orleans has so many coincidences surrounding his search for God. Um, Cassie reveals to Jesse that Tulip went to Victor and might be in danger. Uh, Tulip is met with an extremely frosty reception from everyone at Victor's home <laughs> before Jesse arrives to find her. Especially the daughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was great. And then uh, I love when Jesse comes in there and he's just wording, like, left and right. Like, uh, they're playing music in the background. You know he's using the word on all these guys as he's walking in because they're all freezing, like, as he walks by, just like, word, 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 you know. But the torture specialist was kind of warm to her, like, hey, Tulip. <laughs> like, yeah. like, he had no malice at all. She was the one that was all, like, ire. Like, that was the irony for me, that everybody else was like, you know, I hate you. And he was like, oh, hey, how's it going? <laughs> like, I kill people all day. I don't care. It's his job, awesome. man. Yeah, it was. Yeah. No, it, was, it was brilliant. Jesse finally finds her. He gets Victor in a headlock, he's about to kill her, and then Tulip tells Jesse that Victor is her husband. What? What, what, what? <laughs> Meanwhile, back in hell, <laughs> the cells keep breaking down, and in downtimes, uh, Eugene starts bonding with Hitler and goes into his cell and visits his worst memory, which is 1918 Munich having lunch with an art gallery owner. <laughs> That's the worst memory of Hitler's life. That makes sense. I've seen that movie. The one where yep. he was like a struggling artist, and that's yeah. the reason he... Yeah, I've seen that movie. I guess so. Uh, the superintendent of the ward meets with Eugene and tells him he needs to act evil because he's in hell and that he's being watched. And upon uh, returning, I uh, sees uh, Hitler beaten by his fellow inmate, the like 80s uh, stock bully with the popped collar named Tyler, um, with other inmates joining in. And even though he's bonded with Hitler and kind of has made friends with him, Eugene sees the camera above him in the room and starts to join in on kicking Hitler while he's down. Here's the thing. This is a question that I just had in my mind. But he, you know, this place is ran. It's very organized in a way into its, you know, different cells, different divisions of the prison of hell or whatever. But, um... He didn't come to hell via the normal way to where there would have been paperwork or reservations or, you know, all that kind of thing. He was sent by the preacher using the word. So shouldn't they have at some point go there's Yeah, and that's where I thought they were going once they pulled him out and went into the office or whatever it was going to be. Why are you here? You don't belong here. But I was... It makes sense it to be a, a, dare I say, hellish bureaucracy. <gasps> yeah. I see what you did there. I, I brought it around. I brought it around. Um, I love this episode. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I give it an A. It, it was just as strong as the last episode. Maybe even, I love the scene where he goes in after Victor. I love the, like you said, the torturer. You know, the married matter of, hey, Tulip, how you doing? You know. Awesome. What's yeah. up? Yeah, What's up? I'm gonna, you know, you know what I'm gonna do. So let's just get to it. You know, um, really good, really great stuff. The stuff with Eugene and Hitler's worst memory was hilarious. Yeah, that was my favorite thing of the whole episode. Was all the in hell stuff. I mean, yes, the stuff at Victor's house that was cool as hell. And I mean, that was awesome. But you know, being cool as hell or being hell as cool as this was made this episode that much better. And, yeah, I agree. It was slightly better than the one prior to it, and I give it an A as well. I mean, it would totally make sense that hell would be overcrowded, understaffed, you know, just like riddled with bureaucracy. (laughs) 
That's why they need sense. to stop having the public hell and then farm it out to private hell companies that then can, you know, for profit hell. Yeah, and then you get the then you get the video game Doom. Oh yeah. Because that's what they're trying to do is they're trying to harness demon power on Mars. And see, Jim, happens. see, you got to keep me on track. You got to, you got to, yeah. what? You got to keep up with your, uh, your, your dystopian sci-fi stuff there, buddy. Make sure you that's don't right. uh, do something that's already been done there. That's so why the- but but the Game of Thrones, um, the little pitch from the agent and the Game of Thrones references, and where he's like, no, it has to be first class. And he was negotiating for his, I mean, like everything oh, he yeah. had. And they tell him, hey, Dinklage flies business class, so <laughs> just like, no, sorry, <laughs> that doesn't happen. It, 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 like Cassidy's brilliant when he wants to be. He's usually <laughs> just you know an idiot, but he was brilliant in that scene. Yeah, I kind of had my doubts. There have been moments here and there where I've had my doubts of him as that, as that character, but he's really, like, sold it to me. Absolutely. This season, sure. Last season, I, I don't know. This season, it's like he's right off the page. Yeah. Yeah, he's... he's... Jesse, too, has been a lot more um, characteristic, I thought. Yeah. And when I say right off the page, I don't mean, you know, like it's an exact, because that would be boring. I mean, it's just the tonal, so that, you know, right. I don't want to hear that. It's got that flavor. Yeah, it's, it's great. flavor, that preacher flavor. <laughs> right. So the last episode we're going to be talking about tonight, episode five, uh, it's called Dallas. Who shot was... JR? No, different, different oh. podcast, buddy. Uh, Michael Morris directed this one, written by Philip Buser. Uh, we start out with a big flashback sequence. It kind of fills in what happened after Jesse and Tulip got betrayed by Carlos, and then Tulip lost their child. Um, they, they become normal. They lead a normal life, they get legal jobs, they have a roommate who uh, uses Bible papers to roll joints. <laughs> Did you well, notice Jesse getting more and more annoyed every time, though? It was, that was interesting because this leads okay. up to him. What it leads up yeah. to, you know. Right. Yeah. I, I really liked um, um, how the montage. Yeah. The scene of him, you know, cracking beers, rolling joint, pregnancy test. <laughs> you know, it's like over. It reminded me of like the '80s movies where they would have the montages. It was pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Um, the, they're unable to get pregnant again. Uh, Jesse ends up confronting Tulip because he figures out that she has secretly resumed her work as a contract criminal. And, and taking uh, birth control. And taking birth control the whole time. So this is what makes him decide to return to his dad's church uh, to become a preacher himself. And that led to their breakup, which started in season one. So we get a little bit filled in there. Um, and right after that, Tulip meets Victor and marries him for his money and power. And kind of, you know, he's the rebound boy. <laughs> he's he's not the money and power. She was. He was kind to her. I mean, yeah, sure he was. Uh, yeah, but come on, he was oh. totally the rebound guy. Oh no, yeah, I'm not. All right, that. totally the rebound I, guy. Okay. No, but from his point of view, he, I think, really cared about her. Yeah, right. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, when uh, Danny calls her and tell her, tells her that she found Carlos, she left Victor immediately. So that fills in all the backstory on Victor and on Jesse and, and Tulip pretty pretty neatly. Um, By the way, just was was the scene where we learn, you know, where she realizes, like, outside the bank robbery thing, that whole scene. Have we seen that, like, in the first season or somewhere before? Yes. Cause I, okay, because I had a weird deja vu, and I'm like, did they play this when she When she doubles over, when they're, like, out in, the, when his, his hair's a little longer, they're out in the street, like, after the bank, like, right after the yeah. bank robbery. Yeah. And she kind of doubles over, and that's when she loses the baby. Yeah, that was in season one. Okay. Because I was yeah. like, I wasn't sure I didn't remember, so. Okay. Right, right. Um, in the present day, Jesse ponders whether to kill Victor or not. Uh, Tulip takes her stepdaughter over to Denny's house. Um, uh, Cassidy persuades Jesse not to kill him because Tulip has never stopped loving him. And instead, Jesse makes Victor sign divorce papers. (laughs) And later that evening, the saint of killers shows up at Victor's house looking for Jesse, kills everybody in the place, including Victor, except for his scared daughter, 
he points a gun at her, and she says, uh, she tells the murderer where he can find Jesse. You know, and the thing is, is he didn't really give Victor time to answer. He was trying to answer, and then he killed him. I mean, come on, saint of killers. You know, you're he's, still a saint. Give him a second. But he's kill. He's saint of killers, so he's killing him, see? Yeah. There's another A. I give this episode an A-. Uh, I'm not sure why the minus. It just seemed like it was a little, maybe a little, maybe it was uh, the flashback sequence or whatever. No hell. But, uh, no hell in this episode. Um, I don't know. I really liked it a lot. I, I'm, I'm digging this whole season overall. It's been really strong. I've been really digging every episode. So pretty, pretty happy with this as well. So. Yep. I, yeah, I agree. This one was pretty much in the middle of the two previous, so A minus would be it. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I did want a little more hell in that episode. And didn't I? Don't think we got any flash. No, not in this episode. There was no hell. So. And B plus. So, yeah. yeah, and it was. It was. It was like I. And it, maybe it would be an A for another show, but B plus just because you know it was all this crazy intensity and action and absurdity. And then this episode, and it wasn't on that same level. So this was more like last season to me, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. You have to move the the story forward, but, and I thought it was kind of crappy because I was thinking, you know, okay. It was a cop out. Yes. Jesse made him sign the divorce papers, but you knew in your heart that you were killing him by using the voice to do it. So it's like, don't play the good guy when you're awful. You know, <laughs> you just something else okay. something else we saw in this episode that I forgot to mention I just saw it in my notes I'm going to mention it real quick this is the first time we hear him say uh, t- until the end of the world to each other oh yeah because that was such a crux in the in the book man that was like right. a heartbreaker later when she says it, says it to him and uh, when she thinks she's going to die and stuff yeah yep. so yeah, it was cool to hear that line in the in the in the show, you know, between the two of those characters. So awesome sauce. Uh, we are we'll be back in another three weeks with another three episodes of Preacher, and we will have all the Comic Con news from the DC uh, universe to cover at that point. Uh, we also have we'll be able to review. I, I will have, be able to review anyway. Uh, Harley Quinn and Batman, the new DC animated uh, feature that will be coming out between now and then. So stay tuned for that. Uh, the Walking Dead TV podcast. We will be doing a special episode for the San Diego Comic-Con stuff. Uh, we will be recording this week, so it'll be out the same week as what you're listening to right now. So keep it we keep are. Me around. Yeah, we are. Monday night oh. we're recording. Nobody told you, huh? Nope. Hey, uh, Chubb. What? Chubb. We're recording uh, Walking Dead Monday night. We are? Okay, cool. Yeah. I know, I know you won't remember because, you know, you're having... I'm putting it on my calendar right now. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, but we're going to cover all the San Diego stuff uh, there. Uh, Aaron Newworth from the Walking Dead TV podcast was actually at the Walking Dead panel. So he will have a lot of cool stuff to say. And we want to have a little tribute, uh, respect moment for George Romero. Kind of pour, pour a 40 out for him. Pour out some brains for uh, the, the, the zombie master himself. So, uh, that'll be on the Walking Dead TV podcast. Both of that and this podcast can be found at hhwlod.com. Uh, TaylorNetworkPodcast.com is where you can find no uh, no apologies and uh, go trek yourself and a bunch of other things. But also, Nothing's On, a show I do with Daryl and Donnie, all about TV and movies every week. Uh, we've been covering a lot of really cool stuff lately, including Game of Thrones. 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 So if you like, if you like, uh, we watch a lot of TV, a lot of stupid TV, so you don't have to. So that's our motto. You should definitely check us out. Uh, weekly podcast. We're also doing, uh, from the Taylor Network podcast, Paradigm Shift. Our D&D podcast is back in business. Yeah. And, and a very special, uh, uh, project will be coming forth, uh, soon from Taylor Network, a podcast called Spirit of 77. I'm just going to tease the name of it right now, but it's going to be something that we really haven't tried before, and it'll be very interesting to see how it turns out. So that's all available at taylornetworkpodcast.com. Check that out. And thank you both for joining me tonight. We are Ghost. Good night. Night. Later.
But all I see is all I see. But still, you wound it. Stop! You can't believe what you believe. Oh, the disco infiltrator will leave. Oh, stupid B. Oh, stupid B. But still, we wound it. Jessica Beale, like not knowing what the hell to do because Snipes is in his trailer all day smoking weed and, like, <laughs> and, like, and talking to everybody on post it notes. Like when he said, he, by the time he got to the set, like awesome. the director wasn't even talking to Snipes anymore. They weren't talking to each other. They were just passing post it notes back and forth when they wanted to say something. 
and That's Snipes awesome. never came out of his trailer, just this big cloud of, of like pot smoke. And he wanted everyone to refer to him on set as Blade, not like, you know, Mr. Snipes. He was method acting. He was He wanted to be called Blade on the set. And then he was, uh, he was also saying about, I remember he said something about like his, they, um, they used his leather, tried to, they fit him for a new leather uniform at the beginning of the shoot, but he gained so much weight that like he couldn't oh quite fit in it. Wait. So they had to like cut it in the back. Where you couldn't see it, and then put the the trench coat over that so you couldn't see. Um, like he has all these incredible stories, and like he's like they cast me, and he's like they cast me as the weapons guy. He's like, look at right. me, mm-hmm. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm Patton Oswalt. Look at me, you know. He's like, I I'm not the weapons. I'm not your cue, okay. <laughs> he wanted comic relief. I I liked Patton Oswalt in Blade Three. Blade Three. It gave me one of my the quintessential um, burns where he called uh, where Ryan Reynolds called Parker Posey you cock juggling thunder cunt. Right. That's genius. Yeah, but it had the worst villain. It had like that Dracula, that like Euro Dracula dude. Well, I'm not saying it's a good movie. I'm not saying it's a good movie. Terrible movie. But their their stuff was good. Yeah. Yeah. I just can you imagine like you know trying to. Yeah, hi, uh, Blade. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> here's wait, and a vampire wait, pomeranian. Come on, that's worth the ticket the thing price too. right there. I don't know if this because I only I watched the clip I watched a while ago was like two and a half minutes long, so it wasn't the full Pat Oswalt thing that I've heard, seen before. But I, was, I don't know if this was him or somebody else I heard talk about Blade Three as well, where he like he the whole thing about him being high and everything, but it got so bad that they had to hire a stunt double that would come on and do the action and they would just bring snipes out for like close up shit right. like face stuff face. like that and that was yeah i, I love and, stories and, like that man there's like that um there's a documentary about that remake of the island of dr moreau with uh, hmm? uh val kilmer and uh um, marlon brando i never i never brando watched lot. that and uh for russa bach for, uh, for yeah for russa bach was in that the movie, it just didn't the look appealing. The movie's fucking insane. It's it's terrible. Oh I mean, yeah, it's insane. But they made a documentary about the making of the movie, which is even worse. Like, oh wow! Like a week or two into it, the director got into like um, like chaos magic and was like, uh, oh nice. Figuring, what? Well, he was like figuring out what shots <laughs> to do, like what uh, you know, based on his chaos magic, like what time of day, nice. based on his chaos magic castings of the morning. Like using chaos theory or something. I guess like casting. Um, he was like some, he was like casting runes like randomly and like <laughs> as the runes came out, that would tell him what time to start filming that day, if he felt like it. Um, Marlon Brando hired this guy who's like a midget or whatever to be like his little like honest to god mini me. Like, right. This is way before Austin Powers. Okay? Right. This is like way before that. This is like mid eighties, right? Right, right. And and uh, and uh, you know, Marlon Brando throughout that movie just wears this giant like big white like dress, like white linen dress because they they film in some hot tropical place and that's all he would wear because that's the only way he well, felt he would comfortable. Otherwise. And they, huh, and, they dress, and they dressed the, like the midget dude in the same dress, like they dressed them yeah. to match. Oh um, wow! But like all this craziness, Val Kilmer was like just starting to like feel his oats as a star, so he was going all insane in the head. Um, was that prior to or post Willow? It was right after Willow. It was like right after the Saint, yeah. I think, was the movie he made right before that. But anyway, yeah, there's a whole. I think it was. I saw it on Netflix. I don't know if it's still on there, but um. All about the making of the island of Dr. Moreau, and it, it just sounds like the most fucked up movie set since like Apocalypse Now, you know. It sounds like the documentary is better than the film. Oh, it is. Oh no, it has it to be. It, it totally can't is. not be. That movie's. Horrible. I never watched the film. The only Dr. Moreau I've only read like the book, mm-hmm. so I've never seen like the original. Because wasn't there one made way like? Early sixties or late fifties or something too. Like fifties, uh, the island yeah, of Dr. Called, yeah. It was called Island of Lost Souls, and it was uh, Charles Lawton in black and white in the fifties. And they made another one. Yeah, I never se- saw that one either. They made another one in the seventies with Michael York from Logan's Run. It was a made-for-TV movie uh, version. I may and, have uh, they seen that. They also had that in the theater, like for a second, but um, but yeah. H-G-Mall what was the story. documentary called? Oh God, it's like the making of it. Was, um, Make- 
Okay, I'll just look up Dr. Making of Dr. Moreau. Just look up Dr. You know, Making of Dr. Moreau documentary and it'll pop up. It's so they, they sampled uh, Dr. Moreau. They sampled the movie um, in the House of Pain album. Yeah. That's like iconic. He shows That's up in... That's what they in, bought um, in House of Pain. He shows up in mm-hmm. uh, um, A League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, the comic book as well. Nice. He's the guy who yeah, comes he, up with a super Is this Lost Soul... Lost Soul, The Doom Journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau. That's it. Richard Stanley is insane. Let's see. Oh, it's not on there anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I bet it's, it's on, on some app. I'm sure you can find it on an app, right? On the, yeah, sure what you, you call it, app? Yeah. yeah. Cody. I, I got to see this. Yeah. Yeah, Jim, you, you sold a ticket right here. I'm telling oh, you. Man. All right, we need to start podcasting. I have dogs to attend to. Come on, bitches. My my daughter's still awake reading, so we're oh, missing Lord. a Durl. We gotta get Durl. Bring him in. We can fly without him. He's probably crying because it's not a Comic Con. I heard it's been pretty interesting this year, like cool and shit. But Aaron sent some cool pictures. Oh, yeah, I hadn't looked at any of his stuff. Yeah, he's been at a lot of the panels. He was at the Preacher panel today. He was at the Walking Dead panel. Time is running, I'm passing, I'm passing, I'm running, I'm running, I'm passing. So you all better get right at this time, because it might be no next time, y'all.